This program is brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu. Welcome to Suffolk Law School's IP Issues Podcast, periodic programs on intellectual property issues, hosted by Lando and Anastasi. I am Peter Lando, partner with the Cambridge, Massachusetts intellectual property law firm Lando and Anastasi, where our practice includes all areas of intellectual property law. Of course, you can learn more about our firm at our website, lalaw.com. On today's show, we will discuss patent reexamination. Briefly, we'll get into the process of patent reexamination in the United States Patent and Trademark Office, the types of reexamination procedures, and strategies in different contexts, for example, in litigation, licensing, for investors, and for owners. I note that reexamination filings are up at the United States Patent and Trademark Office about 20% over last year, and about 70% of inter parte reexaminations are directed to patents involved in co-pending litigation. So why has reexamination become such an important and powerful tool in recent years? Joining me today is my colleague, James DeVellis. James counsels clients in all areas of intellectual property procurement and transactions. His practice includes preparation and worldwide prosecution of patent applications to build effective IP portfolios. He works with a variety of clients in industries, including telecommunications, power supply, video processing, medical devices, heavy machinery, fault-tolerant and mission-critical IT services, desktop visualization services, RFID transmissions, search engine ranking algorithms, and social networking services. He has, for several publications, written articles on the process of reexamination and its strategic use. James, welcome to Suffolk Law School's IP Issues Podcasts. Thank you for having me, Peter, and thank you to the people at Suffolk. No problem. Let's talk about reexamination. James, why has reexamination become such an important and powerful tool in recent years? Sure. Well, uh, basically, if you think that the validity of a patent is in doubt in view of some prior art patents or printed publications, reexamination is really becoming an effective mechanism to have the PTO, the United States Patent Office, reevaluate or reexamine the claims of that patent. And there have been some changes in case law in the last few years, basically, that might make the validity of some claims or call into question the validity of some claims that the Patent Office has previously issued. And by using the reexamination, you can have the Patent Office basically revisit some of that. I see. So this is a post-grant procedure that takes place in the United States Patent and Trademark Office by what authority? That's correct. Well, the Patent Office, it is a post-grant procedure to have the Patent Office reexamine an issued claim of a patent that is in force at the time of the re-exam. They have statutory authority to re-examine the claims of issued patents provided certain conditions are met. And who may bring the a patent re-examination procedure? Sure. Well, there are various different kinds of procedures, but in the end, anyone can request re-examination of a patent, including the owner of that patent themselves, or even anonymous people under some circumstances can bring a re-examination proceeding in front of the patent office without identifying themselves. Let's talk a little bit about the procedure for re-examination. I understand there's a t- primarily a couple of types of, of re-examination. Let's, let's start with the more conventional uh, 
uh, type uh, ex parte reexamination. Sure. Well, an ex parte reexamination means that anyone, again, including the patent owner or a third party, can uh, request reexamination of any claim of an issued patent by pointing out to the patent office in the request, which is really a formal written document, pointing out a substantial new question of patentability that they think is raised based on one or more patents or printed publications. Okay. So on the basis of a written document, be it a patent or some other publication, an interested party, and it could be the patentee themselves, can bring reexamination procedure or by filing a reexamination request in the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Is that correct? That's correct. Like for example, you could be looking at one of your competitors' patents and you could read one of the claims of the issued patent, the claim being the part of the patent that defines your property right. And you could look at that claim and say, wait a minute, this claim I think is too broad. I don't think that this is actually a valid claim based on some prior art patent or printed publication that you're aware of. If you think that that patent or prior art raises a substantial new question, that's the key phrase that the Patent Office considers, a substantial new question of patentability of at least one claim of the patent, you have the opportunity to point that out to the Patent Office by filing this request and meeting the procedural requirements of the filing. Okay. So that substantial new question of patentability, you've mentioned it a couple of times. What are those questions? I understand there's some limitations as to what those questions might come from. Sure. Well, it, it does have to be based on, like I had said, a patent or a printed publication, but also it has to relate to the novelty or obviousness of one of the issue claims in that patent. For example, you have to point out that this prior art brings into question or raises a substantial new question as to the novelty of one claim, at least one claim of the patent, or that other prior art documents in combination render at least one of the claims obvious. Okay. So, again, we're speaking about ex parte reexamination procedures, and you mentioned written publications or prior patents. What if those patents were previously cited in the uh, prosecution of the issued patent? Sure, and this standard has changed several years ago. The Patent Office does give some nominal weight to the fact that it has to be a substantial new question of patentability, a question that has not been considered before directly. However, generally, if the Patent Office has considered it during the prosecution of the patent, they will consider it again if you point out to them that the prior art reference is being asserted in a new light. So if the written document that was previously of record in the issued patent, you can use it again if you raise it in a new manner. That's correct. You point out to the Patent Office that, well, this prior art patent or printed publication was indeed considered in the underlying prosecution of the patent. It can be considered to varying degrees. Sometimes it's actually discussed during the prosecution. Sometimes it has been cited to the patent office but never actually discussed. You point that out to them, and then you say, however, despite that, you know, when looked at in this new light, it does indeed raise a substantial new question of patentability um, of at least one claim of the patent. Okay. So if the requester, let, let's just uh, speak to the requester again. You said it could be any interested party, including the patentee themselves. So if the patentee learns of a new patent or written document that they did not have before the issuance of the patent, they can file a reexamination request and say the claims are still patentable or they require some amending. Now, with regard to amendments, are there any limitations? First of all, the first thing you're talking about is a patent owner requesting re-exam of their own patent, which certainly is possible, but you do need to fully consider the ramifications of that that we'll get into 
a bit in a moment. Separately, in terms of amending the claims during prosecution, or the, the second part of your question there, you cannot broaden the claims during a reexamination proceeding. So just briefly, when the patent is being reexamined because the patent office agrees that there is a substantial new question of patentability, they will examine the claims, they can reject the claims or allow them or confirm them, and you will have the opportunity to add new claims or to amend those claims, but those claims cannot be broader in terms of the subject matter that they cover than the original claims of the issued patent. Now, even claims that are added cannot be broader. How is it determined that claims are broader, be they added claims or amended claims? A claim is broader, the Patent Office will consider that a claim is broader if it is broader in any respect. So in terms of added claims, if you are adding a dependent claim, by definition that dependent claim depends from one of the existing issued claims, or it depends at least from another claim. So if it's depending from one of the original claims of the patent being reexamined, by definition it is not broader than that claim. If you're adding a new independent claim to the reexam proceeding, the Patent Office will consider it broader if it is broader in any respect than the broadest claim of the issued patent, so that you really have to go element by element and you do have to make sure that it is not broader in any respect. It's pretty fact-specific to what you are claiming, but you need to make sure that if, for example, if independent claim one has limitations A, B, and C, a new independent claim in the reexam must have those limitations A, B, and C. The A, B, and C of your new independent claim in your reexam, the A cannot be broader than the A of your issued patent, and so on. I see. What happens during the pendency? So say the, and we'll get into the, kind of walk us through an actual procedure in a moment, but during the pendency, if the Patent Office grants the request for reexamination ex parte now, and I filed a request of reexam for my own patent, what happens during the pendency of that as to the status of the patent? You are not surrendering title to the patent when you're requesting a reexamination of that patent. So the issued claims of the underlying patent have the status of being issued claims. Now there is some cloud put over them during the time period of the reexamination proceeding, but those claims are not surrendered. They remain issued claims, and it is only the reexamination certificate, which as we'll get to concludes the reexam proceeding, that actually has the legal effect of adding, amending, or canceling the claims. Until then, the claims exist. However, a substantial new question has apparently been raised and agreed to by the Patent Office if they order the reexam. So it's just something that really has to be monitored moving forward. Okay. Just a second kind of variety of ex parte. Say I file an ex parte reexamination request of a third party's patent. I file it with the United States Patent and Trademark Office. I copy counsel for the patent's owner, and what happens? Do I get to comment on? Sure. If you're an ex parte requester, which you are in this scenario, you are generally prohibited from commenting throughout the course of the reexamination proceedings. You're relegated to observer status. You will receive a copy from the patent owner or from the Patent Office of all correspondence in that reexamination proceeding, but you're generally not allowed to actively comment in front of anyone with respect to that reexam proceeding. There is a narrow exception that's worth briefly mentioning. When the reexamination process starts, ex parte process, the patent owner does have an initial opportunity to file a patent owner's statement where they could basically 
try to point out to the Patent Office that there is, in fact, no substantial new question and the Patent Office should not proceed with this reexamination proceeding. If they do that, and they tend not to do that, but if the patent owner does do that, the third-party requester will have an opportunity to file a written response to that patent owner statement. But that is more the exception than the rule. Okay. We touched briefly on then ex parte reexamination. Let, let's speak, again, very uh, broadly and, and briefly on inter parte mm-hmm. reexamination. And a little bit about that. For sure. sure. The fundamental difference is that in an inter parties proceeding, the person requesting reexamination of the patent has an active voice throughout that reexamination proceeding in front of the patent office. The main point being when the patent owner um, files their papers or argues to the patent office that their claims are patentable, you as the inter-parties requester have an opportunity to respond to that and to basically disagree and rebut that and to maintain that the claims are invalid, presumably. I see. So the inter-parte reexamination procedure and actually it's, it's part in the statute. I, I understand it to be kind of more recent. When was it added? Applications filed after November of 1999 are subject to inter-parties re-exam. If a patent that issued from an application filed prior to 1999 is at play, you are not able to file an inter-parties re-exam, and you have to proceed with an ex-party re-exam. I see. So let's just talk a little bit about the differences. So you mentioned them in your in your summaries, but let's just lay it all out. Now, ex parte without others is one possible procedure, and inter parte, the requester and the patent owner get to kind of explain their differences of opinion mm-hmm. before the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Can you just briefly? Sure, sure. I mean, inter parties is more adversarial because you do have the opportunity to rebut things in front of the patent office, but some of the more important differences, rather than these procedural distinctions, some of the more important differences have to do with things like timeline or cost. For example, an inter-parties re-exam tends to last longer because both sides can file appeals and you are constantly rebutting things throughout the duration of the inter-parties proceeding, whereas in an ex-party re-exam, once you have prepared and filed your request, you are simply monitoring the proceeding, which obviously makes it a less expensive option for someone who is looking to proceed with the re-examination. I see. So you mentioned the dates, the, the importance of the date filing of the patent that's at issue being one factor. What might some other factors be as to which procedure to choose? Say I'm interested in bringing a re-examination request for a competitor's patent. It was filed in 2000. Five, so I can go either route. What considerations might I? There are many. One of them, the complexity of the case at issue is a factor to consider. For example, if you think you have a very clean-cut case with good prior art documents that you think very clearly invalidate the claims of the patent, well, maybe an ex-party request is sufficient there because it's not really necessary for you to chime in after that. If you think that the argument is more nuanced, if you think it involves the combination of several different references and you may have to consistently be defending your position. For example, it's a closer call, basically. You may have to defend your position to the patent office on a more ongoing basis. Well, then inter-parties re-examination would be perhaps a preferable option in that situation. I had mentioned earlier quickly, timeline is a factor. Ex-party re-exams do tend to wrap up a little bit quicker than inter-parties re-exams, although they both do take Sometime we're talking years here, a couple of years, maybe two years at least. 
And that's also something that's being talked about in the future. There is some pending reform, proposed reform litigation, procedural changes to shorten those timelines. As far as statutory basis or substantial new questions of patentability can be raised, you, you mentioned novelty and obviousness. What if the patent owner makes amendments to the claims to overcome these prior art patents or, or written publications? Is there any other considerations? There are. Again, it depends on the nature of the proceeding ex parte or inter parties as to whether or not you're going to be able to comment on this. But if you amend claims during a reexamination or add new claims, and it's quite often a very good idea to amend, well, to at least add new claims uh, to your reexamination proceeding, those new claims do need to comply with all of the other procedural requirements of claims that you are trying to patent before the patent office. For example, there has to be adequate support in the written description for the subject matter that you're claiming and any new claims you add during a reexamination. That is not a basis of an initial request for reexamination. It's only novelty or obviousness that you can challenge during a reexamination. But if the patent owner adds new claims, in addition to meeting the novelty and obviousness bars set forth by the patent office, they do need to comply with all of the other procedural requirements, just like any other claim. Let me wrap up this segment here and, and talk about, just, just walk us through very simply the, the whole procedure. So filing an ex parte and the filings and what they're expected to get back and timelines basically from the patent office and in inter parte context. Sure, as well. in, the inter- in both. Okay, sure. Basically, in both circumstances, the process starts by filing your request for reexamination of the patent. There's some basic procedural requirements there, but you file a request where you point out to the patent office uh, a substantial new question of patentability that you believe is raised by at least one prior art patent or printed publication. It has to be a printed publication, which is generally broadly interpreted, or uh, a patent. And if the patent office, they will review your request. If you comply with the procedural requirements, they will look at it on the merits, and they will determine whether or not a substantial new question has indeed been raised. Now, they tend to do this relatively quickly, maybe within three months of the filing of the request for re-exam, and then they will give you an order, either granting or denying your request for re-exam. This is true for both ex parte and inter parties. If your order is denied, which is rare, it happens maybe less than 10% of the time, but the patent office is disagreeing and saying there is no substantial new question of patentability, you can petition that and appeal that and ask them to reconsider, but for the moment your request has been denied. But generally, this bar is pretty low, and they tend to grant these requests and order the re-exam. When they order the re-exam, as its name implies, they re-examine the patent in view of those prior art patents and printed publications, and they see if that substantial new question actually rises to the level of rendering one of the claims invalid for a lack of novelty or obviousness over the prior art that you've given to them. At that point, they give an office action where they will reject, presumably, some of the claims based on that substantial new question. In the next party scenario, the patent owner will have an opportunity to respond. They go back once or twice, and there is an appeal process after that. In the inter-parties re-examination, the same thing happens, but the, the, the requester has an opportunity to chime in as well. But the version of ex parte where you're bringing it, you mentioned patent owner can respond as if it's just normal patent prosecution. If it's an ex parte, and you said this earlier, I just wanted you to reiterate, an ex parte request for a third party's patent, you make the request and then 
the patent owner is in prosecution and you're kind of an observer. That's correct. The ex-party, third-party requester is relegated to observer status throughout the length of the ex-party re-examination proceeding in almost all circumstances. Okay. James, you briefly touched on some statistics. You said with regard to requests and the less than 10% are, are not granted. So you have some statistics on the requests for re-examination on ex parte and inter parte bases? Sure. Well, the initial grant rate is over 90%, I believe, for both of them, where they are simply granting the request for re-examination. Now, that grant itself does not invalidate any claims. All it means is that the Patent Office will order the re-examination and will actually proceed to look into the merits of your request because they've given it a brief review and they think that there is a substantial new question of patentability. That may or may not lead to the rejection of the claims, but that initial bar, that initial hurdle to have your proceeding heard historically, and it's still through today, remains quite low. Okay. And some more by way of statistics. We saw uh, you and I in the office have have looked at some of the statistics offered by the United States Patent and Trademark Office on their their dashboard at uh, USPTO.gov, and you see it in trend lines how things suddenly changed around 2007, coinciding with the Supreme Court's KSR decision on obviousness. Can you just briefly touch on that? Sure. The the KSR case of a couple of years ago, it is widely believed that that case has made it a bit more difficult for applicants to obtain patents in some circumstances, and that's led to an increase in reexaminations of issued patents where they're trying to get them evaluated under the the looser standards set forth in the KSR decision. Okay. So it is interesting how other cases have impact on strategies. Using that as a segue, let's shift over to uh, reexamination in the uh, in, in the litigation context. We mentioned at the at the outset that seventy percent of the inter parte reexaminations pending in the uh, U.S. Patent and Trademark Office at the moment have concurrent litigation. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. And this is actually where it gets very interesting. And this is where the reexamination process before the Patent Office adds a tremendous amount of value and is very important in some situations. Litigations, patent litigations in particular, are complex and they are expensive. And a reexamination as a complement to that litigation can improve your position. It can get you... As a defendant. Exactly. As a defendant, if you want to invalidate a patent, you can present those questions of novelty or obviousness before the Patent Office in a parallel re-examination. Another important factor to consider is your audience. You have the opportunity with a re-exam to have your invalidity arguments heard and decided upon by the more technically oriented Patent Office as opposed to a more lay judge or jury. And in some circumstances, you might find that beneficial if you are the defendant or the alleged infringer who is seeking to attack the patent through a re-examination proceeding. So strategically, it can add a lot of value to the litigation by having your technical invalidity argument heard by a more technically oriented audience being the patent office. I see. And of course, you mentioned expense without the expense of discovery and much, much more compressed schedule sure. as well. Are there any um, considerations? So if I'm making an invalidity argument, an inter parte re-examination in the uh, United States Patent and Trademark Office, and I'm presumably using prior art patents and printed publications that I would use also in court, are there any considerations? If- sure. There, there are potentially are some estoppel issues 
that you do need to be aware of if you're proceeding with an inter-parties re-examination in parallel with a litigation proceeding. If you are asking the exact question over the same prior art and the same claims, once the Patent Office decides on that in an inter-parties re-examination proceeding, you could be stopped from raising that in the court subsequently. But So it is something that you really need to think about carefully. You do need to talk to the counsel and make an educated decision whether or not you want to proceed with this inter-parties request in this situation. Another thing to consider is that estoppel provision is very important, but it need not be the driving factor behind the decision, especially if settlement, for example, is a likely or a desired outcome. You know, there could be other reasons why that estoppel provision, which is widely talked about in the industry, might be of less importance in your particular situation. Or you might decide that you can that you're okay with that potential estoppel situation because you have confidence in your request before the patent office or you just don't think that the estoppel issue is going to be a big factor in your litigation or in subsequent litigations. Okay. So I'm a defendant, let's say, and I, I'm, uh, I've been sued in federal district court and I have an invalidity position to offer and I proceed uh, filing a request for inter parte re-examination in the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Do I then move the court to stay the litigation to buy time Exactly. That's something that is routinely done in both the inter-party scenario that you mentioned and in ex-party scenarios. You use the re-examination basically as a tool to obtain a stay in the patent litigation. The point being, judges in many circumstances, but not always, will stay their litigation because the patent office is now re-examining the claims that are at issue in the litigation. These claims might be canceled, they might be amended. All of these things obviously will have a big impact on a patent infringement litigation. So the court quite often can say, well, we're going to stay this until we know whether or not these claims are going to survive this re-examination proceeding. It brings up several different issues that are very fact-specific, but in general, if you do wish to obtain a stay, which most defendants do, you want to um, move quickly and you want to request your re-examination, be it inter-parties or ex-parties, as early as you can in the process and then convince the judge that you are doing this in a proactive way and not using the re-examination as a last-ditch effort to get yourself out of some trouble in the litigation. So when the lawsuit starts, very quickly consider whether or not a re-examination of the patent at issue in the lawsuit is going to further your ultimate objective. Presuming you're in a position to do so and you have the prior art patents or documents. Let's move on to talk about re-exams in the kind of the business, more business context of licensing and, and investors. Why might it be useful for licensees and licensors to understand re-examination and same for investors? Sure. Well, yeah, this is another very important area where re-examinations can add a lot of value. For example, in the, in the licensing context, a patent owner oftentimes will invite through some some letters, they will invite some of their competitors to take a license on their patented invention. And um, in this case, the potential licensee, they want to avoid patent litigations, which often are behind failed licensing negotiations, but they also don't want to be sort of bullied and they want to make sure that they are only paying for licenses to valid patents. So this is an area you're approached with a patent and someone wants you to take a license on the patent, well, take a look at it. And if you think it encroaches into the public domain and that there's some prior art patents or printed publications out there that make the validity of some of these claims questionable, well, that's an opportunity for you to request a re-examination of that patent prior to spending all these money or agreeing to some kind of royalty rate on a license for that patent. So they add a lot of value there. Same thing in sort of other venture capital contexts or you have startup companies, many of them in the technologically oriented startup companies 
be they electrical engineering or biotech, have a very core portfolio of patents that are of fundamental importance to the future of that company. Obviously, if there are any concerns as to the validity of any of those patents, a re-examination gives you the opportunity to more clearly define the boundaries of your patented claims and the scope of your protection. Now, you do need to be careful in those situations. You do have other post-grant options, such as, for example, a a reissue proceeding, which is a different post-grant procedure. But re-examinations do need to be considered. They can add value in any kind of licensing or venture capital startup type transactional work. Okay, thank you for that. And lastly, in the marketing context strategy, I personally have, have represented clients who would love to come out with new product lines, but they are aware of third-party patents that they believe to be invalid, either not novel or obvious. And talk to me a little bit about what we might do in that context. Sure. Yeah, I mean, this is basically referred to as an opportunity to clear the packet thicket, for example. If your field is crowded by a lot of different patents, you, know, you have the opportunity here to identify some patents that you think may have encroached beyond their appropriate borders and entered uh, the public domain, basically. So this is the opportunity for you to file your request for re-examination in order to force the patent owners to more clearly define the boundaries of their patent protection. This can give you greater assurance in a particular footprint that you want to enter with your product or where perhaps your product already is and can help you basically better define what areas belong to the public domain, what areas are patented, and are the intellectual property of one of your competitors. So it might even serve to have the competitor make amendments to the claim, narrowing amendments to the claims that you could then design around more comfortably. Exactly, exactly. They put all of that on the record, and you can use that to give yourself some assurance that your products are not infringing. Actually, you, you just mentioned something perhaps we should have mentioned earlier, that the proceedings are indeed public. That's correct. Yep. All of your filings are publicly available. Okay. Let's talk, just in the time we have left, James, about some traps for the unwary in all these contexts. Mm -hmm. Sure. I mean, uh, reexaminations are a very powerful tool in basically every business decision that touches that patent should consider the ramifications of a reexamination of that patent. And while it is very powerful, you know, you do need to be careful. The reexaminations cannot be unfiled, or a request for reexamination cannot be unfiled. There can be unintended consequences. Once you file a request for examination, the patent office will generally continue with that process through to conclusion with the reexamination certificate. There's some level of unpredictability there. For example, if you're requesting a reexamination of your own patent, which now is more rarely done, your claims could be rejected. They could be canceled. You might not get the result you want. Same thing if you're a defendant in a litigation, you're requesting reexamination of a patent that's involved in the litigation, there's no guarantee you're going to win that proceeding. And if you lose, the resulting claims, in a sense, will be somewhat strengthened because they will have been twice vetted by the patent office, once during the original prosecution, once during a reexamination proceeding. That can make any subsequent invalidity arguments that much more difficult to make. Okay. I'd just like to uh, shift gears to to what's going on right now. Obviously, the uh, Congress and U.S. Patent and Trademark Office have taken note of the, uh, we'll call it, increased use of reexamination. Congress and uh, both houses are doing work on a Patent Reform Act that touch on the sections of the patent code. And most recently, on April 25th, the United States Patent and Trademark Office has proposed rules for comment, and there will be a public meeting on June 1st 
2011. Do you have any thoughts on either what's pending in Congress, the House or Senate versions, or the proposed mm-hmm. comments, uh, or, or any comments on, I'm sorry, the proposed rules before the uh, USPTO? Sure, sure. I mean, first of all, the fact that reexaminations are getting the attention of both the Patent Office in terms of tweaking their rules and their procedures and of the Congress in terms of patent reform legislation in 2011, I mean, that means that, that reexaminations are important and, and are effective, and they're trying to continue to make them more important and more effective. Basically, a lot of the proposed reforms have to do with shortening the time frame of reexamination proceedings. I mentioned earlier they can last for easily two or three years. They're trying to do a couple of things to condense that. For example, you will often, in a request for reexamination, point out several different substantial new questions of patentability that invalidate the same claim. And they are considering, now this has not happened yet, but there, there is some talk about condensing those substantial new questions or making it more difficult to, sh- to point out more than one substantial new question or SNQ per request for reexam. Or they might even have a representative substantial new question that they think represents all of the different SNQs that you're pointing out in your request, things like that to basically shorten the duration of the re-exam proceeding, which is in the patent owner's interest and the public's interest too, because they really do need to know where the boundaries are of these issued claims. Okay. Well, thank you for all that, James. I think this was very enlightening for the listeners. This is a very important procedure and one they should be aware of in any of these contexts. And that about does it, however, for this edition of IP Issues. A very special thanks to my guest, James DeVellis. James, if somebody wants more information on this topic, how can they reach you? Sure. Through our website, the firm's website, which is lalaw.com. You can also email me at jdevellis at lalaw.com, or you can uh, feel free to give me a call, 617-395-7066. Thank you very much, James. And, of course, you can contact me directly at plando at lalaw.com. Have a great day, everyone. This preceding program was brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu.